Good morning. So good to have you joining us this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Lockie and I'm one of the pastoral team here at Gold Coast Central Church. If it's the first time that you've come across our church, then I just want to extend a really special welcome to you. Uh, if you're one of our regular attenders, then again, we just really want to welcome you as well and let you know that we're so excited that you've decided to join us. Now, as a church, our goal is to draw people into a loving relationship with Jesus. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've kind of pretty new to this whole faith thing or if you've been a Christian for some time, no matter where you find yourself, um, we believe that in the name of Jesus, there is power. Um, there is power to, to change lives, to bring healing, to bring joy, to bring peace, and, and to bring so much more. And so no matter where you find yourself, our goal is to help people take that next step in their own relationship with Jesus. And, and so we have a model that we use here at church, and that model has four steps in it. The first step is to know God. The second step is to find freedom. The third step is to discover purpose. And the fourth step is to make a difference. And that's kind of the journey that each of us are on in our own experience with God. And um, it's, it's, it's one that we, we really believe in. It's one that um, we, we want people to be experiencing and investing in in their own lives. And uh, what we're talking about at the moment is all about that fourth step about making a difference. And so last week we started a series called Legacy. Legacy. Those things that we do in the present that make a difference for the future. And Pastor Mike, he kicked off the series by talking about a man named Simon Peter and his legacy of resilience with his faith. Although he made plenty of mistakes, he often bounced back, and he is now remembered as leaving a legacy of being one of the founders of what is now the Christian movement. Left an incredible legacy. And what we're doing for this series is we're picking out several different people from the, from the early church and looking at the legacy that they left, and then what we can learn from their legacy for our own lives. And so we're going to continue this series today with part two of this legacy. And we're looking at a man named Joseph. And his legacy is one of his words. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your word and for the opportunity that we have to study it together. I pray that you will give us all receptive hearts to what you're saying and that it'll be you who is speaking through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever been made an example of for something? Last year, I worked at a high school cafeteria on the Central Coast. I was in my final year of study down at Avondale, just south of Newcastle there. And I was working in a high school cafeteria just to earn some money to pay my way through. And I would work on Thursdays and my job basically consisted of three things. First and most importantly, it was making hot chips. Secondly, it was preparing cookies that would be baked throughout the week. And then thirdly, it was making hot drinks. And those are kind of the three things that my role entailed. And um, every, every week I would go in, I would pre-cook the chips, get them ready to go. And then when service time came, that was when it would get a bit crazy and I'd be cooking the chips, I'd be salting them and, and putting them into the bain marine. You'd get into like a real good groove of it. And this one time I was cooking the chips and um, you'd put them, once they were out of the fry, you'd put them into a bowl and you'd start salting them with our special mix of uh, chicken salts and regular salt and you'd toss them and, and you'd, get, you'd get a really good system going and you'd pour them in and come back. And what had happened though on this day was that I'd accidentally spilt a bit of oil on the bench. And so when I went to put the bowl back, it kind of slid a bit and then it bumped the salt shaker, which then fell into the fryer. And I all of a sudden had a, a big uh, debacle on my hands because this salt shaker started bubbling up. And it was like when you mix um, bicarb soda and vinegar or when you put like a Mentos into a Pepsi and it just kind of blows up. 
Now, it didn't quite go that bad, but that's kind of what it was looking like in there. And I all of a sudden got really worried and realized the mistake I'd made. Um, I ended up having to use only one of the two fries that day, so it was a bit more stressful than usual. But what had happened as a result of that is that uh, moving forward, whenever someone made a mistake of any kind at, at work, it would be called doing a locky because I'd made that, I was like the first one to kind of make a mistake and I earned a bit of a reputation from that and one of my mates who also worked there worked on a different day to me. Um, but later on we were hanging out and like he did something stupid or something he said, oh, I just did a locky and I was like, hang on, how, did, how has this gone outside of the workplace? This is a bit ridiculous, but it was, it was all in good fun. Um, but I wonder, have you ever been made an example of for anything? Because in, in Acts chapter 4, which is where we're going to start out today, we come across for the first time this man named Joseph. And he's being made an example of here. Not for a mistake that he's made, but for something really good that he's done. And, and in this passage in the end of Acts chapter 4, we, t- we learn about the early Jesus movement. And we learn about the way that they um, were interacting with the world around them, with such generosity, with such care and support for those that were in need. And uh, we jump in, in in Acts chapter 4 verse 36, and it says this, For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So this man, Joseph, um, he's made an example of for the the generosity and the the way that he lives his life as a follower of Jesus. But I want to turn you back to that verse 36 there because there's something there that you might have missed if you weren't paying attention, but it says the apostles nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So this guy, Joseph, was given a nickname, Barnabas. And we get the impression here that it's not for no reason, but he's earned this reputation for being an encourager, for being one who uses his words. And this is like so serious that for the rest of the book of Acts, as this man pops up, he's not actually referred to as Joseph, but he's referred to as Barnabas. And so this idea of him being an encourager is so ingrained in who he was and the legacy that he left that that is how he's remembered, as a man of encouragement. And while it's not the focus of the text, it's going to pop up later on. And I think that's why Luke, the author of this book, has introduced that idea here. But we're going to jump over a few chapters now to Acts chapter chapter 9, and we're going to be looking now at another character. Now, this character, his name is Saul. And if, if you know much about Christianity or anything like that, you'll know that uh, later on his name was changed to Paul. And he is one of the most significant people in the history of the, of the, of the Christian movement. And uh, he actually didn't start out that way. He actually started out being one who um, wasn't uh, in favor of the, the Jesus followers. And so he was kind of made it his own personal mission to make sure that, that they wouldn't succeed in what they were doing. Um, he, he, he did this thing we call persecuting the Christians, which means that he tried to make life difficult for them. He seeked to harm them, to disrupt their movement. He was trying to hold them back for doing what they thought they had to do on behalf of Jesus and what they had to do for the Jesus movement. But one day, as he's on one of his journeys, he goes to a town called Damascus. And on the way there, he has an encounter with Jesus that changes his heart. And he experiences a conversion. And after experiencing Jesus, he realizes the wrong that he's been doing and decides to commit his life to continuing the mission of Jesus in the world around him. And so he returns to Jerusalem, which is like the hub of the Christian movement at this point in history. And we jump into that story here in Acts chapter 9. And, and remember what we talked about before about, about Joseph, or we'll call him Barnabas from now on. 
So jumping in at Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it says, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. And I think that's pretty reasonable for them to think that this guy who had for years probably been persecuting them, been trying to stop them from doing uh, their, their, their Jesus movement stuff that they were doing, all of a sudden wants to join their ranks. Hang on. What gives him the right to just jump in and be a part of this? How can we be sure that he's actually experienced conversion? But what's really interesting is that this man Barnabas comes into the picture here because in verse 27 of Acts 9, it says, Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And so Barnabas has an opportunity here to speak on behalf of someone who can't speak up for themselves. He has an opportunity to to encourage not just Saul, but encourage the rest of the believers that Saul's experience and Saul's conversion was genuine. And And I think about, you know, what is the legacy of your words? What is the legacy of my words? Is, is the legacy of my words one that you know, builds people up and opens doors for them to step into new opportunities? Is, is my legacy one that, that gives a voice to those who don't have a voice themselves? That gives people a seat at the table to add into the conversation? Is that my legacy? Because that's the kind of legacy that Barnabas leaves. A legacy of one where he opens doors for people. And I imagine how that conversation would have gone. Maybe it was happening in in an upper room somewhere in Jerusalem. That seemed to be a bit of a theme throughout the the early Jesus movement. And maybe a few of Jesus' disciples were there. Maybe we have like Matthew, Bartholomew, a couple of others. Maybe some of the women that Jesus did ministry with are there as well. And there's a few others. And and Barney, he walks in the door and everyone's like, Hey, Barney, it's good to see you, man. Because they love this guy. His, his, His reputation, his legacy is one of encouragement. He's a great person to be around. And, and he comes in and everyone is just so excited to see him. And, and then all of a sudden behind him, Saul comes in the door and like their joy just turns to dread straight away. And they're like, hang on, what's he doing here? And the tension just becomes so thick, you can like slice it with a knife. And Barney says, look guys, I, I know what Saul used to be, but, but I've seen who he's become. And I think he's got the potential to add so much value to the Jesus movement, to have such an impact for the kingdom. You know, we we look at his heritage, look look at all he's done in the past, look at the passion he has when he really puts his mind to something. I see potential in him to make a humongous difference for the kingdom. And I think you'd be missing out if you didn't see it too. I don't know if that's exactly how the conversation went. But it must have gone well because in, in verse 28 we said, we see, so Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. We see the, the result of this down in, in verse 31. It said, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Just like Barnabas you and I have opportunities regularly to speak words of life, words that will build people up, words that will, will, will see the potential in others. Or we have the opportunity to tear them down, to speak words that are going to discourage them. And I challenge you today to think about what is the legacy of my words? What is the legacy of the, of the words I speak to other people? Will people remember me as being one who is encouraging, who speaks life? 
later on as, as, the, as the Jesus movement continued to grow and to expand into other cities such as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, and Syria. Some of Saul's former compatriots get word that he's uh, kind of switched sides a bit. And so they kind of set out on a mission to, to kill him. And he goes into hiding in his hometown of Tarsus. And um, he's, he's kind of off to the side as we jump in, in in Acts chapter 11. But all this great stuff is happening outside of Jerusalem. And so the believers decide to send someone to go and check it out and to encourage these people. And who better than Barney to do it? Who better than Barnabas to go and, 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 and be, a, be an encouragement to these people? So in verse 22 of Acts 11, we'll, we'll jump in. It says, when the church in Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch which is one of those cities that the Jesus movement was spreading and growing in. It says in verse 23, when he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. What's your, what's your first response when you see incredible things happening for the kingdom of God? Barnabas' first response was joy. His, his first response was to encourage these people and say, hey, this is incredible what's happening. Let's keep going. Let's keep working for Jesus. Let's keep, let's keep growing the kingdom. One leadership expert says that one of the greatest threats to future success is current success. And I think Barnabas is aware of that principle because what, what, he, what he says straight away is he doesn't say, let's celebrate and enjoy and make the most of it. Let's just um, take, a, take a break and, and ease up. He says, no, continue to be faithful because he realized that when you're having success, that is when your faithfulness can have even more of an impact. One of the greatest threats to future success is current success. That means that you know, it can be really easy when things are going really well to sit back, to relax, to enjoy, to celebrate. And they're not bad things. But if they happen at the expense of continuing to be faithful and to be true to where God is leading, then, that's, then that success is probably not going to continue for very long. But Barnabas speaks again words of encouragement to inspire these Christians or these followers of Jesus in Antioch to continue doing what they're doing. And we naturally need to ask the question, well, what kind of person do you have to be to have that kind of an impact with your words? There must have been something pretty special about Barnabas that we're missing. But we see in verse 24 the sort of person he is. It says, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And when those kind of people speak out, speak words of encouragement, speak words of life, when they build people up, when they challenge them, we get the result that it says at the end of verse 24. It says, and many people were brought to the Lord. Over the last few months, I've been fortunate enough to, to visit a whole bunch of people, to get to know them and, and spend time in this community. And what I've found is that there are so many good people. There are so many people full of the Holy Spirit and there are so many people strong in faith. And when those kind of people speak up and speak out and speak potential into people, we see their potential released and more and more people come to know Jesus. We see that on display in the life of Barnabas. And I, and I have firm faith that, that when people like that speak words of encouragement in our community, that the same result will happen. I mentioned before that Saul was in hiding at this point. It says in verse 25, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. I don't doubt that Saul was probably feeling a little bit discouraged or demoralized at his circumstances because he tried to, 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 to preach passionately for Jesus and to join the movement but it experienced a, a bit of discouragement probably along the way. 
But again, Barnabas in verse 26 says, when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Again, Barnabas opens that door for Saul back into ministry. I have no doubt that in, in that conversation, Barnabas said, Saul, your calling hasn't changed. Your potential hasn't changed. God is not done with you yet. He still has so much to do in you and through you. And it says in verse 26, both of them stayed there in Antioch with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And then in brackets in, in my translation there, it says, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. What many people believe to be the official birthplace of the Christian church is directly linked to Barnabas's encouragement. As the movement continued to grow and Saul's ministry continued to grow, he is, and, and rightly so I believe, um, given the credit for, for a lot of incredible theology, a lot of incredible mission work, and Saul is rightly remembered as one of the founding fathers of the Christian faith. In fact, he's the most prolific author in the New Testament of the Bible. But, but I have no doubt that we wouldn't know Saul as we know Saul if it weren't for Barnabas, if it weren't for the encouraging words that he spoke into his life on several occasions. And that's the thing about speaking words of encouragement is that oftentimes someone else's potential lies on the other side of your encouraging words. And sometimes God puts people in our path that we need to speak life into and speak potential into because maybe, maybe your words are going to be the thing that unlocks that in them, the thing that triggers that, 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 that next step in their own journey and that they're going to go and do incredible, amazing things for the kingdom of God. Recently, I, I watched um, a documentary series called The Last Dance and it's about the 90s era Chicago Bulls, um, a team that is arguably one of the greatest franchises in, in sporting history. And at the center of that team uh, is a pretty famous man called Michael Jordan, um, rightly remembered as arguably one of the greatest basketball players ever. And he was always set to be one of the greatest players because he had a tenacity about him and a skill about him and, and, and natural giftings about him that uh, would always, were always going to help him in, 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 his, in his role as one of the greatest basketball players. But there's a quote that stuck with me from the very first episode of that series. And, and the person, the reporter speaking said, you know, Michael Jordan was always going to be one of the greatest basketball players. But we wouldn't have Michael Jordan as we know him without Scottie Pippen. Now, Scottie Pippen was an incredible basketball player in his own right. And he was a teammate of Michael Jordan throughout all his years of success with the Chicago Bulls. And... Michael Jordan, like we said, was always going to be a great player. But when he was surrounded with the right people, he was able to achieve things even more remarkable than people could imagine. That era of the Chicago Bulls achieved what, is what we call the, the, the repeat three-peat. So they won back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back championships twice. Incredible. Incredible uh, legacy left by, by that team. But in the same way that we wouldn't have Michael Jordan as we know him without Scottie Pippen, I think we wouldn't have Saul as we know him or Paul as we know him without Barnabas. And that's because just like basketball, church is a team sport. You can't go it alone. When you sign up to be a follower of Jesus, by default, you sign up to be a part of his church. And we need each other to be each other. I don't know if, if Paul was someone that, that struggled with low self-esteem or discouragement or that kind of thing. But we see 
on several occasions that, that because of the encouraging words of Barnabas, the door is open for him to step into and to continue ministry. That he's given a seat at the table to make a contribution, to make a difference. And that's why I don't want us to underestimate the power of our words. Because if we, if we follow in Barnabas' footsteps and take each opportunity that we get to speak encouragement, what we may find is that those that we speak encouragement to are going to go on to do incredible things. And our legacy will live on through what they do. And that's the power of speaking words of encouragement. And so I don't just want to end today on challenging you to be more encouraging. I want to give you something really practical that uh, you can take and apply to your own life. And so I'm going to give you a tool that I've used in the past and has been used uh, on me, actually. And these are the four most powerful words of encouragement you can say to someone. So the four most powerful powerful words you can use to speak encouragement to other people is, I see in you. I see in you. And saying those words can unlock things in people that they might not even have seen in themselves. Four years ago, I was a part of a worship team at an Australia-wide young adults conference called Converge. And... That was the very first time that I'd ever played and sung uh, for, for other people. And um, I, I look back at that as uh, a catalyst for, for who I am today. And partway through that event, um, most of the singers were, were going to be going to a wedding. They were all kind of related. So they were going to this wedding. And I was left with a few of the band members. Um, and I was a little bit worried because I was like, okay, what's going to happen here? But the leader of that group, she, she came to me uh, the day before and basically said, Lockie, um, you know, a few of us are going to be away. Um, but the worship is going to continue and it's going to be incredible because I see in you the potential to be a great worship leader. She challenged me to step up to the plate and I look back at that day as the moment when I, I, I stepped into that identity myself as someone who is a worship leader. She saw that potential in me and she called it out. And because of that, I was able to step into that. And since then, I have had so many opportunities to lead people in worship, to put together teams, to train up other people, to equip other people. So much so that that this weekend, tomorrow, we're going to be recording uh, a set of worship for a young adults conference here um, that is happening next week. And this worship set, I've been fortunate enough to, to coordinate the team, to bring the team together. And I am now in the position that she was in, where I can now say to people, I see in you the potential to be incredible worship leaders. And that is what words of encouragement are all about. That is what this, this tool of the I see in you conversation is all about. So who is it that God's put on your heart? Who is it that, that, that you're surrounded with at the moment that, um, that who has incredible potential in them? Maybe they have a skill or a gift. Maybe they have a passion. Whatever it is. If you've got eyes to see it, then don't stay silent. Speak life into it. Build them up. Speak potential. Tell them, I see in you the potential to use this and make an incredible gift for the kingdom of God. Because just like Barnabas, we have the potential to speak words of life into people and we don't know what the impact of those words are going to be. So I challenge you, bring someone to mind now. Bring someone to mind who who you want to speak words of encouragement to. Think about who that might be. And I challenge you to have that conversation with them this week. Let them know that you see potential in them and see what God can do as a result. So I'm going to pray now. 
And I want to invite you to bring that person to mind as I pray. And think about that conversation that you're going to have with them during the week. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving us the gift of encouragement that we can use to build each other up. May that always be our first response. May we never tear each other down with our words, but rather build them up, speak encouragement, speak life into their potential. And Lord, as these names are coming to mind this week, I pray that you'll give us the courage to speak out, to, to, to speak life into people. Jesus, may you work on their hearts. May you stretch them and grow them and come beside them as they take that next step in their own journey. And may our legacies be ones of encouragement, just like Barnabas. We thank you for the gift of community. We don't take it for granted. We take it as a challenge, Lord, that, that we can utilize and, and embrace each other to grow your kingdom, to tell people about you, to make a difference. And we thank you for the privilege of doing that. In Jesus' name, amen.